the night before Dorkfest, when all through the pod, not a creature was stirring, not even a pog. The grain was stored in Space Station K7 with care, and hopes that Niles Bears would soon be there. Chekhov, confined to his quarters, was nestled all snug in his bed, while visions of Tribbles danced in his head. And Kirk in his tunic, and Koloth with his goatee, had just armed their ships to fight over some quadro triticale. When out in space there arose such a clatter, Han Solo sprang from the Falcon to see what was the matter. Away to Tatooine he flew with his pal Chewie, right before the hyperdrive was sure to go kerflui. Two moons floating over the spaceport Moss Eisley gave to scoundrels a luster of scum and villainy, when what to their wandering eyes did appear but Gandalf the Grey and his fellowship deer. With a ring of power so golden and stark, they knew it was taken with riddles in the dark. More rapid than Shadowfax, the orcs they came, and Gandalf whistled, shouted, and called them by name. Now Frodo, now Samwise, now Pippin and Merry, on Boromir, on Strider, on Legolas and Gimli. Into the mines of Moria, to the bridge of Khazadun. Now fly, now fly, now fly, you fools. Uh, Jay, this is great, but are you really going to do the whole thing? Well, I was planning on it. Jay, this thing is like 50 lines long. Yeah, I'm just about halfway. Halfway? Yeah, next up is the uh, prancing and dancing of little baby Groot. I, I, I just don't know that we need all of it. But I haven't even gotten to J.W. Pepper's belly shaking like a bowl full of jelly. We do have a tendency to run long with this podcast. Best jump to the end. And with that, we say a happy dork fest to all and to all a good show. Merry greetings to you and welcome to the first of two holiday themed episodes of Dorkfest, the podcast. While the most wonderful time of the year will certainly be celebrated differently than in years past, we hope this episode will bring our listeners some cheer in these uncertain times. My name is Jordan. I will be serving as the Burgermeister Meisterburger for this episode, but instead of throwing those toy-trotting offenders into the dungeon, I'm looking to put these dorks in their place for all of their festive takes. Before loading into the family station wagon and embarking on what will hopefully not be a Griswold family Christmas tree size episode, I'd like to introduce my companions on this island of misfit dorks. First up, he searches for Dorkfest W's like they're silver and gold. It's our very own bumble-taming prospector. Gadzooks, Jay. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It most certainly is. Next, holding out hope that this year's holiday bonus isn't another membership to the Jelly of the Month Club, it's Gabe. Gabe, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Dan. Anyway, Gabe, how are you doing? Uh, personally, I'm uh, holding out hope. I got my fingers crossed for an official Red Rider Carbine Action 200-shot range model air rifle. But um, I guess I'll take the jellies. Uh, as Dan said, it is the gift that keeps on giving him the whole year round. Uh, finally, you heard him a moment ago. And if you're wondering what he's going to do with that trusty blanket after being cast as a shepherd in this year's Christmas play, don't worry. He'll turn it into a headdress. Dan, how are you doing? I'm well. I never thought it was a bad, such a bad little role. It's not bad at all. Just needs a little love. Now, before rolling into the introduction for tonight's episode, we would like to send some merry greetings to all of our faithful listeners. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, and especially at this festive time of the year, we'd love to hear from you and connect with you on Instagram. Just search up dorkfest underscore podcast, and you'll find us there. 
Now, tonight's episode will use a format that our listeners no doubt know well, and one that we plan to return to for a variety of topics. This will be our first Desert Island-type episode, and for the purposes of this pod, we'll be selecting the holiday flicks we wish to take with us to what will henceforth be known as Dorkfest Island. In the upcoming discussion, we will talk about the Christmas classics we watched during our childhood and return to year after year, as well as some of the newer stuff we have discovered in the past years. We will end the episode by selecting three flicks to take with us on Dorkfest Island. Although it's been said over the past 18 episodes many times and many ways, we'll start with an easy one to get all the dorks warmed up by the fire. For tonight's warm-up question, we'll be discussing real Christmas tree or fake Christmas tree. Dan, you're up first. I said the last time that Gabe's best lightsaber in the Star Wars universe was the easiest warm-up question we had ever had. And I love the way these podcasts are going because this one is even easier than the last one. The answer is real Christmas tree. Growing up, we had a real Christmas tree. I went through in my mid to late 20s a fake Christmas tree phase for simplicity's sake and cost effectivity, but those times are done. Those were the dark ages. It's all about the real tree. You need that real tree smell. You need that experience of going to the tree lot and picking yourself out a Douglas fir or a Fraser fir or a blue spruce. Everybody's got their own favorite. Trucking it home, getting it to its spot, having the needles all over the floor, vacuuming them up all the time. That's a rite of passage during the holiday season. It's all about the real tree for me and it's not even up for discussion. Dan is absolutely right on this. I'm with you, it's real tree. In our house, we actually augment the smell. My wife is all into um, these diffusing products with different smells, and we've, we've dialed up some Deck the Halls, which is a, I don't know, some sort of holiday concoction that really ramps the Christmas tree smell up to 11. I, I am not so severe as, as like a person who goes into the forest and chops down their own, you know, real Christmas tree. But yeah, Dan's right. Going to the tree lot, picking out your tree. I love the process of setting it up. Dan, you forgot the most important part, stringing the lights up. That's my favorite part. That, that's, the, that's the one that in my family is get, you know, clear out for dad. Trust the process. This, this, is, this is dad's uh, role here. It, it can be a bit of a challenge to keep it alive. I think we might remember uh, a time when our mom developed some concoction with maple syrup, which was supposed to give the tree extra long life, and it ended up killing it instantly. Um, but I enjoy the challenge. Real tree all the way. I'll keep this little model Christmas train running on its little plastic tracks at the base of my real Christmas tree. I'm right there with you guys. Uh, Dan, again, you're right. You're on a roll. Um, and Josh, as you point out, I want to go a step further, uh, not just the lights, but yeah, the, f- the full-on decoration of, of the tree is, is such a ritual to, to ring in the real Christmas spirit. Yeah, going to pick it out is always fun. What's trying to imagine what it's going to look like in the picked out spot. You're look, checking all angles of it. Um, the smell is key. Uh, for me, it's always coming down, especially on Christmas morning, coming down the stairs. And it's just, it hits you like, you know, winter outside, except it's warm and piney and it's wonderful. Um, all of Christmas is in the real Christmas tree. I think it's, uh, I think they're tough to beat. All right. So what has happened 
to this podcast, right? I mean, I think we used to have standards, and now all of a sudden it's just whatever Dan says has suddenly become gospel. It's just everything is Dan is right all the time. Yet I still don't – I can't necessarily remember the last time he actually won one of these. I won Probably the last more. podcast because of my Anthony Daniels knowledge, and I said I like where this podcast is going, and I'm really liking <laughs> it now that everybody agrees with me. You may not like the results here, but I have to certify Dan's win in the previous – uh, Dorkfest, so you know, I'm I'm afraid he's been duly elected. So all of you Fraser fur fanatics, um, you're wrong. It's not the real Christmas tree. It's the fake Christmas tree. I will stand by that argument. Couple of key reasons. Um, first of all, as you all know, I have dealt with extremely dry skin throughout my entire life and with very very bad allergies. Fake Christmas tree. It's hypoallergenic right? I don't have to worry about my allergies. I'm not sneezing all the time. I don't have to check to see if there's a tissue box in three or four different corners in whatever room the tree is in. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about sneezing all the time. I can just enjoy the, the, the visions of the lights and the ornaments that are on the tree. And that's another point too. All right, Josh, I, you know, I respect you for, for the process and all the thought and consideration that goes into stringing the lights, but stringing the lights is so annoying. It's so time consuming. It's, it's, it's never worth the end product. So that's that. But the great thing about the fake tree, you still get the benefits of the lights already being up on there and you still get the benefit of getting to hang the ornaments afterwards. So you still get a benefit of being able to decorate and personalize your tree, but you don't have to worry about that time consuming business of actually putting up the lights ahead of time. Jordan, I, I actually got some extra enjoyment this year by having to go out and buy new lights to put on the tree because my lights from last year were broken. That little, you know, 20, 30 minute trip to Ace Hardware, that, that, that's, that, that's another Christmas staple of buying the extra lights but then you have to be, but you have to make sure that you buy them in enough bulk because if you have a bunch of like uh, short strands then you have these these gaps within the trees but again no gaps on my tree how dare oh, you okay so you might still be able to do that oh, maybe i don't have the same consideration maybe i don't have the same effort in in terms of that but last point that i need to make on the fake tree don't even get me started on the needles like anakin once said in reference to sand it's coarse, and it just gets everywhere. Dan may enjoy vacuuming up the needles off of his carpet at his, at his home, and if that's the case, Dan, next time, if there, is a, if there ever is a time that I buy a real tree, I'm going to be calling you up, and you're going to be bringing your vacuum cleaner over here and vacuum up the needles for my Christmas tree. First of all, it's all hardwood floors in this current abode, which makes for way easier pine needle cleanup. And totally. The, totally. Con the cons of having to do a little extra cleanup, totally worth it for the pros of having a real honest-to-goodness Christmas tree. Jordan, I, I don't even know who you are anymore. Listen, well, please keep your ears open for in the coming weeks. We may have an opening here at Dorkfest, the podcast, and um, – not not going to say who or what or where, but you know, life goes on, and uh, we wish everybody the best. Well, I think we all know who's not going to win tonight's Dork Fest the podcast against the real Christmas tree. I will I will lay down I will lay down the potential points. I think Josh has already won for securing that Ace Hardware sponsorship to Dork Fest the podcast. Ace is the place. Oh, and he's writing them slogans. Come on. Oh, boy, dorks, do I love those W-A-R-M-U-P answers. Well, 
maybe not so much because you didn't agree with me. But nevertheless, well done. Uh, that said, it is time to get to the questions account. So let's see who is going to rise to the top of their class at Kringle Academy. And we'll be starting off with Gabe with our one point question. Uh, Gabe, I'd like to know what is one holiday flick that you have discovered more recently and what do you like about it? Thanks for coming to me with this question first, Jay. It's um, it's something that I have discovered fairly recently. Like, uh, I, I, again, not discovered, rediscovered. It's always kind of been out there on the periphery of my Christmas viewings year after year. Um, but not just for Christmas, because this movie also ties into another holiday. This is The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's uh, it's labeled as a Tim Burton movie, and certainly it belongs inside his you know his aesthetic universe. Um, but it's directed by a guy named Henry Selleck. He'd done, he'd done a lot of... Um, you know, various kinds of animation, a lot of stop motion over the years. This is a stop motion film, and it's unlike anything uh, you're ever going to see, out, uh, let alone in a Christmas movie. It's um, uh, the story of, uh, in this, you know, the world of this claymation, every holiday has its own town. We're introduced to Halloween Town, where Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King, is kind of getting bored with this lot, and he wants to figure out what else is out there. Lo and behold, he's able to access Christmas Town. There's a bunch of great music. It's a, it's a Danny Elfman score. Danny Elfman actually sings. He provides the singing voice for the main character. And it's, uh, you know, by the end, everybody learns some lessons and whatnot. But it's just such an askew little look at a holiday and in kind of breaking it down um, as these Halloween monsters are trying to figure out what Christmas is. Um, they kind of do a good job of repacking back up what Christmas can be. You get a nice little shout out of Happy Halloween from Santa at the end, too, which is a nice little crossover episode. This movie has really grown on me in the past few years. I avoided it when I was a kid because it was going to give me nightmares. And I enjoyed my soft, happy little Christmas movies. Um, as I've uh, gotten a little older, this is this has really stood out to me. So I want to plug The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, Gabe, that's that's a movie that I watched when I was younger and... I, I was never a huge fan of scary movies and I remember it like not sitting well with me and haven't watched it since. So I, I think, I think you went about it the right way. It's uh, it's imaginative, but it's, it's creepy. It can be on set, but like, you know, in a, in that gleeful Tim Burton way. I mean, you know, there's so much love poured into the making of this movie. Um, I'll give my own little plug on Netflix. Uh, they have that series, the movies that made us, but there is a, a two episode, the holiday movies that made us up now. They talk about, one of them is The Nightmare Before Christmas. And yeah, going into the background of uh, this movie in particular was was really interesting. I mean, stuff like they've got 227 puppets. I wrote this down to represent different characters in the movie. And there's like 400 facial expressions for Jack alone that they have to swap out here and again. I mean, it's the impossibility of stop motion, but it is, you know, it's Christmas magic. And, you know, that's just the kind of in-depth trivia and knowledge that you only get from Gabe on Dorkfest, the podcast. Luckily, I'm not winning tonight. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're changing my mind. One last fun note about The Nightmare Before Christmas is that, uh, at least on the soundtrack, it has an introduction and I think an outro by none other than Sir Patrick Stewart. So always a dorky connection here on Dorkfest, the podcast. A TV show that has a lot of dorky connections over its entire run, both when we were kids and now in the reboot, is where I'm going to go with mine. Um, and that's the, the DuckTales reboot so pretty much these days all of the new christmas stuff that i watch is stuff that my kids want to watch um they're both five years old and so we're talking about bluey the uh, um you know a show about uh, cartoon uh healer dogs from australia we're talking about paw patrol they're excited about one coming up uh that's a christmas episode set in the dino wilds you know, this, so this is normally what I get. But this week, 
we watched something that was a little more interesting. It was the DuckTales Christmas episode called How Santa's Christmas. And it was a fun little adventure uh, Santa Claus origin story, which pits Santa and Scrooge McDuck as rivals. Um, Scrooge wants to use, uh, they're searching for this, um, the Feliz Navi Diamond, very, you know, a little clever, it, which slows down time for one night a year. Santa wants to use it uh, to deliver toys. And Scrooge McDuck wants to use it to deliver coal, at, you know, and, you know, for a reasonable profit, obviously. Um, and, you know, it, it, it does come to a nice warm, fuzzy, warm and fuzzy, happy ending, but it takes a little detour first where Scrooge is actually trying to double cross them. Um, and it's just a fun little, fun little episode. And um, they've got a really, they reworked the title song just for this um, one Christmas episode into a little like Sinatra-esque ver holiday version of the DuckTales theme song, which is, you know, maybe the best part of the show back when we were kids and now. Um, so, so that's where I'm going with my, my new pick, DuckTales, How Santa Stole Christmas. This is a great little endeavor because uh, the two that have been mentioned so far are not shows or films either of which that i'm familiar with at all yeah i will cop to having not seen nightmare before christmas but now i'm intrigued and thanks to josh i now have the ducktales i got the theme song in my head now and i'm dying to see this christmas special so this is uh this is good i've now got some extra holiday viewing to get to i suspect that my choice is not going to be one that people are flocking to uh, their streaming services to enjoy. I am going to throw out two words for you. Vic Fromeyer. And if you are not familiar with the name Vic Fromeyer, then you are not familiar with the holiday classic that is Christmas with the Cranks which is one that I have come to in recent years and is very enjoyable. Now, Vic Fromeyer is not the main character, but he is a very enjoyable character, played by Dan Aykroyd, for all of you Ghostbusters fans out there. Vic Fromeyer is the, I mean, he is the chief of the neighborhood, but his neighbor is Luther Crank, played by Tim Allen. And, I mean, what's more Christmas than Tim Allen in a holiday flick? And what happens, the, the short version, the Cliff Snows version, is that Luther Crank's daughter, Blair, goes off to the Peace Corps right after Thanksgiving. And so she's not going to be home for Christmas. And Luther and Nora Crank are understandably depressed. They're not going to have their daughter home for Christmas. So Luther plans a Caribbean cruise for the two of them. Only... On Christmas Eve, Blair phones and says, guess what? I'm coming home for Christmas and I'm bringing my new fiance and we're expecting all the trappings of Christmas. So the neighborhood has to band together and they put together this Christmas party and hilarity ensues and they're all filled with the Christmas spirit about being able to be with one another. It's not a good movie. I should have prefaced with that at the very beginning. It's not a good movie, but it yeah, is. Yeah, you don't say. It is the movie that I have come to in recent years that, for me, 
is the kickoff to Christmas. You don't start your holiday viewing with a Charlie Brown Christmas and George C. Scott's A Christmas Carol. You save those for when the snow starts to fall and the temperatures start to dip and you get into mid-December and the tree is up and you're really in that holiday season. You need some of those opening acts. Those, those movies that start to get you into the Christmas spirit, and that is what Christmas with the Cranks has been for me. Dan Aykroyd as Vic Frohmeyer is absolutely hilarious as the, the boss of this, you know, upper middle class Chicago suburb. The movie is funny, it's silly, it's not good, and... As we try and shoehorn in Dorkfest um, ties into our holiday movie here, one of the key lines in the movie, the real turning point for the whole neighborhood when the neighborhood gets on board to support Luther Crank, who, who they have chastised for this decision because he's not donate, making his Christmas donations. They're not having their annual Christmas party. And Vic Frohmeyer gets up there and says, why should the daughter pay for the sins of the father? And as we know, Sins of the Father is an excellent season three episode to Star Trek The Next Generation. And no yeah. doubt is exactly, you know, the, <laughs> the reference that, that, that most people are connecting to there. What else could he have possibly been <laughs> Exactly. Thank you, Gabe. What else could he possibly have been referencing? It was a copla Christmas. <laughs> beat me by one second. <laughs> Dan, I, I've never seen this movie, but... You say like Aykroyd, Chicago, Vic Frohmeyer, and I, I, I get the picture, and 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 I, I am a, a bit intrigued. It's ninety to a hundred minutes. I promise you, you will not feel like your time was wasted. You may not be chomping at the bit to watch it again, but you're gonna finish it and feel like you know what? I've flushed away ninety minutes worse than that in my life. Sure, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, come on. We're not, this is, no, this is our holiday, these are our holiday shows. We're all in this together. We're not going down the Rise of Skywalker deal again. You're right. I, I retract. Dan, in all seriousness, though, I, that is something that I kind of like about thinking about these flicks that we've discovered more recently, because it does kind of allow us to think of movies that we can say are definitely not good they're not good films but we get some sort of enjoyment out of them and that's actually that's the direction that i'm going to go in with my selection i think my selection is going to be possibly the newest movie out of all of the selections that have been made and that's going to be the 2017 film the man who invented christmas um now if you're not familiar with this movie it's a movie that came out in 2017 as i referenced a second ago and it sort of tells the story or at least a dramatized version of the story that may not be entirely accurate but hey it's hollywood but dramatizes the story of how charles dickens came up with the idea for a christmas carol and specifically i discovered this film because as a school teacher uh, in seventh grade we actually one of the texts that we teach is a christmas carol um and we do a lot with the historical connections to it with the poor houses and with the debtors prisons and all of the things that would go into and really a lot of the the thematic elements that dickens was writing about in, that was writing about in the story and here comes this film that dramatizes those things in a way that my students can connect with in some way. Um, so that's a, that's a film that I guess, you know, for me, 
really served a purpose in that sense, but I think also does a nice job of capturing a lot of those thematic elements that are kind of underneath the story of A Christmas Carol. So with that in mind, that, that's going to be my selection, the 2017, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Gordy, that is a, a, a really astute pick, and it has been a movie that's been on my watch queue for a while now, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that it resonated so well with you, and, and I'm even more interested to watch it now after hearing you talk about it, because uh, I think it's an interesting story, and uh, I mean, I, I said it before, and now me personally, like, I'm, I'm thrilled to have done this little exercise, because you guys all mentioned shows that I have not seen. So I, I think that's great. And hopefully our, our listeners feel the same way, maybe with the exception of the cranks. Yeah, Jay, I, I, I have not seen this, like Dan, I hadn't seen this movie, have not seen this movie. But I remember when the trailer came out, I remember thinking, hey, now that's an intri- a new and interesting way of telling this story. I'm sure we'll talk more about Christmas Carol, you know, sooner or later. Um, but it, it, it has been done a lot. And every now and then, you know, you, you update it by, oh, you put your characters in present day or, or you put them in a different uh, country. You put them in, in the United States. Um, but even when you do that, the story is more or less the same. I thought, hey, you know, this is a good original idea. Yeah, and like I mentioned a second ago, I think it just it, it it provided a it provided a nice historical connection to it, which I think is I don't want to say it's necessarily lost in some of the other versions because I think because I think it is very central in that sense, but is was a was a nice way of bringing those historical historical connections to light. Really, really quickly before we move on, um, any other you know rapid fire new flicks that people want to recommend? Dan, you got anything? Yeah, I'll throw two quick ones out there. Uh, Prep and Landing, 2009. Somebody might throw this out uh, later on. It's it's that good. An animated special about the Prep and Landing team. If you haven't seen it, what in God's name have you been doing for the past decade? It's absolutely phenomenal. And I'm surprised that I've come to this movie more recently. 1996's Jingle All the Way. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger in a hunt for a toy at Christmas. And I think the four of us can certainly relate to that experience or at least understanding what our parents were going through trying to find that magical Christmas toy for us. And and Josh and Jordan, maybe you guys now for your own children. But two Dorkfest connections to that movie. One, Arnold Schwarzenegger's kid, Jamie, is played by Jake Lloyd, who, of course, we all know is young Anakin Skywalker. An even better Dorkfest reference, though, Josh and Jordan, I'm looking at you. The police officer in that episode, uh, or in that movie, rather, rather, Officer Hummel, played by Robert Conrad, no other than Milo Janus himself. One, one of only a few Columbo references thus far in, in Dorkfest, the podcast, uh, which makes me think of a, of a little trivia, little Columbo-related uh, trivia question that, that may come up in a later pod. I'm not going to give anything away on it now, but just a little bit of tea, a little bit of a teaser for later. Uh, Gabe or Josh, any, any last rapid-fire selections that you want to offer up? I've got one to steer clear from is Blippi's uh, Snowflake Scavenger Hunt. No, thank you. Move on. Not worth the time. Move along. Move along. 
and with that idea, speaking of moving on, we will in a moment be moving along to our two-point question. Before that, though, we do have to award one Dorkfest point for the one-point question. And, you know, Gabe, I was tempted to go with you, you know, especially because of just that astute knowledge that you provided in terms of the, if I got the number correct, as you said, the 227 puppets used in that. And then, and, and how many facial expressions for Jack? Something like 400. Uh, something like 400. I would have preferred if you had the exact number. I don't know. Maybe if you had the exact number, you would have gotten the point, but you didn't. Dan, I liked the selection that you were going with, but you did say something that didn't just sit very well with me you said you said something along the lines or to paraphrase that you know what could be more christmas than tim allen at christmas and i just think that there are a lot of things more christmasy than tim allen at christmas so far as i know the thing that he is most famous for is santa claus which is not a horrible movie but is also not a great movie so with that idea in mind Josh, you earned the one-point question for DuckTales, How Santa Stole Christmas, primarily because of the three different flicks offered up. That's the one that I think I'm going to be watching up first. Two greatest words in the English language, default. I was going to say, that reeks of a default point right oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Well process done, of, by process of elimination. <laughs> you also could nitpick mine because mine's a, it's, it's not a movie. It's it's 20-minute cartoon episode. Not a whole lot I'm, of meat. I'm, I'm doing meat that. On the bone. I'm not, <laughs> very little. Uh, I'm doing that with this. Like, you know, whether it's a TV episode or a movie, I'm packaging it all together. Hope, hopefully, I don't get dinged later on. Well, all I want right now is just two classic flicks from everybody, and we're going to be going to Josh first. So for our two-point question, I would like to hear, what are two classic holiday flicks that you return to year after year after year, and the season would just not be complete without a viewing of them? Josh, what do you got? So I said we'd be returning to A Christmas Carol, and so I might as well get there. Um, my favorite version of that is 1984's TV movie starring George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. He's tremendous. Uh, it's 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 got a good cast otherwise to, though as well with David Warner as Bob Cratchit and uh, Roger Reese as nephew Fred. You know, so, so some really nice actors there. The the music in this movie is an underrated plus. The music in that movie is really good, but it's just, it's the one that I watched the most growing up. It's the one that I, I feel the most nostalgia for. Um, I haven't read the, the novel enough times or recently to really dissect how good of a match it is, but people whom I trust say that it's, you know, it's okay. It's, it's pretty good, pretty, pretty faithful, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, George C. Scott's Christmas Carol would be the number one. And the second one that I'm going to go with is one that I have just tried desperately to get my kids into. And it's, you know, it, it, they sort of watch it out of pity for me. Um, and that's Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. This is just such a, a heartwarming TV special. Uh, I, I didn't do the research. I, I can't even remember what year it came out, but we watched it a ton as kids. Dad taped it off of PBS. And it's just, you know, they've got the little sidebar about Big Bird trying to figure out how Santa gets down the chimney. But Oscar the Grouch is just the star of this for me as an adult. He has some classic 
lines, ding dong, you're wrong. I mean, him giving it to Big Bird as an adult is the best part of the, uh, of this movie. It's It's got a great uh, Feliz Navidad uh, ice, ice skating dance number. Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, the number two classic Christmas movie that I come back to year after year. I don't necessarily need to chime in next with my two picks, but I'm happy to do so. But I do have to jump in because I created a list of several movies that I was thinking about, and I am completely and utterly ashamed at myself that Christmas Eve on Sesame Street did not make the list because as soon as Josh said it and he chose the absolute perfect word, heartwarming, that is exactly what this movie is. Uh, or the special, whatever in the heck you want to call it. You're right, Josh. Uh, Big Bird has his little adventure. Oscar the Grouch is phenomenal. For me, it's Bert and Ernie, though. And it's the gift of the Magi play where um, they want to get Christmas gifts for one another, and Bert gives up his rubber ducky to buy a cigar box for, or I'm sorry, Ernie gives up his rubber ducky to buy a cigar box for Bert's paperclip collection, and Bert, of course, gives up his paperclip collection to buy a soap dish for Ernie, and then, of course, Mr. Hooper gifts them back those items that they, I mean, it's, it literally makes me emotional now just to talk about it because, uh, I, I mean, I have no doubt that as a small child, I tried to hide crying during that scene. It's it's that moving. Totally, um, totally. But, but the show, it, it's it's really good. Uh, I looked it up, as you mentioned it, Josh, 1978 is the first time that that aired. So you're right. It must have aired in syndication and dad recorded it on VHS and we watched the crap out of that thing. And it's it's phenomenal, and anybody who hasn't seen it, I encourage you this holiday season to do so. It won't be one that I talk about, but I, I just wanted to step in there and, and come to my brother's defense, which says something because he throws me under the bus on this thing as frequently as humanly possible, but that is one. Well, who can blame call. me? It's, that's probably fair. Also great in this uh, Grover, and there's, the, there's a Kermit the Frog crossover. I'm going to have to put this on my list. I, I ashamed to say further, uh, even than you, Dan, I don't recall this at all. I'm so oh, Gabo, you've never seen this. I, I don't know that I've never seen it, but I certainly don't remember it. If I did, it was once upon a time, you know, 27 years ago or something like that. You can find it on Amazon prime. They might gouge your eyes out over the price, but it's there. <laughs> that was not at all. Your dad's negligence and malfeasance was tolerated during the Bruce Springsteen podcast. It will not be so uh, as it relates to Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Just saying. I've, I've got some other good ones coming through. Don't worry. It's not a completely deficient edge. Don't forget, we had cable also. I mean, we had Sesame Street, obviously. It's PBS. But, you know, uh, I didn't have control of that. You know, there were other things on television at our, at our house at Christmas time. All right. Well, I am going to jump in and, and throw my two of my traditional holiday flicks in there. Um, I, I will. So J Josh went to bat for Christmas Eve on Sesame street. And, and obviously I echoed that and it will come to the surprise of absolutely no one that because three of the four members in this household or in this podcast grew up in the same household that we're going to have some pretty traditional uh, similar flicks. So uh, George C. Scott, Christmas Carol, absolutely love that pick as well. I'm going to go two different ones. Um, my first offering, I will stay on the, Christmas Carol Train, because that is one that I think will be reflected by probably most of us. I do try and read the book each and every December. It's like the one book a year that I will admit that I actually read. 
And Josh, yes, George C. Scott version is is rather faithful. The surprisingly rather faithful version, though, is turned in by the Muppet Christmas Carol in 1992. You would not necessarily think that the Muppet version of the Christmas Carol is going to be like among the most faithful. And per the text, is it like word for word? No, of course not. It's Muppets. But it's an absolutely phenomenal film. When I started jotting down my notes for this movie in particular, the very first bullet point that I wrote was Michael Caine with Muppets, enough said. And when you watch the movie, I mean, it's this unbelievably accomplished actor playing off of Muppets and it just works in such perfect synergy. I mean, Michael Caine is phenomenal and there's cuteness overload with the Muppets. I mean, Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit and then Robin the Frog as Tiny Tim. I mean, Ghost of Christmas Present. I mentioned, hey, look, if you're not crying at Gift of the Magi between Bert and Ernie, and if you're not crying during, you know, Tiny Tim singing his tune during Christmas Present, then I don't really necessarily want anything to do with you because that's a tearjerker in and of itself. But this movie is phenomenal. It's fun. It's awfully darn accurate to the text. It's a musical, but a lot of the music is really good. The Scrooge number at the beginning is awesome. That's a sing-along tune. You got Stadler and Waldorf doing Marley and Marley. That's phenomenal. Um, It feels like Christmas when Ghost of Christmas Present turns up. That one's great. And then Thankful Heart at the end of the movie, you've got a whole slew of great songs. So, uh, yeah, for sure, Muppet Christmas has to be among the the classics that I turn to. And the other one that I'm going to go with, even way, way, way back in the Wayback Machine, uh, White Christmas from 1954. This is uh, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye and Rosemary Clooney, and it's Bob Wallace and it's Phil Davis. It's the accomplished Broadway team, and they end up I, I wrote this down because this is this this movie is filled with great lines, and I wrote this down. So they're this accomplished Broadway team, and they end up going to see a sister act, and they do it for an old friend in the army. Only the old friend in the army is quote freckle faced Haynes, the dog faced boy. So it's just fun little quirky lines like that that make the movie fun. There's excellent music. The interplay between Bing Crosby and Danny Kay is just spot on. You'll have to tolerate some random musical numbers and some random dance scenes because that's just the way movies were made in the 1950s. But you get a a newly updated recording of White Christmas, which did not debut in this movie, but rather debuted in Holiday Inn, which is a movie you don't see anymore because Bing Bing Crosby did blackface in that movie. And so that's why you don't see it anymore. But it's a phenomenal film. There's great, there's great music. There's great songs. It's a whole lot of fun and it just reeks of Christmas holiday nostalgia. So sign me up for some Muppet Christmas Carol and some White Christmas. Dan, it is a shame that um, you're not the one moderating this podcast because Jordan's already upset with me and I'm probably not going to say anything to appease him at this point, but I agree wholeheartedly with your two choices here. You even pulled one of mine aside. No offense. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job moderating. And see, now I'm trying to butter you up too late. No, Dan, you're, I'll first agree with the one I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say White Christmas, so thanks for uh, taking on that one because I can pull in another one. But, yeah, I, I, White Christmas is delightful. Um, yeah, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye is who I think is the one who delivers that dog face boy line um, 
yeah, he, he's just a delightful Muppet himself, frankly. Um, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen. They're a tremendous quartet of actors. And, and yeah, I mean, those musical numbers you referenced, some of them are, some of them are whatever. Some of them are a lot of fun. It's, some of that is like just classic golden age era Hollywood filmmaking. Um, and to boot, the director is Michael Curtis, who won an Oscar for directing Casablanca. That's just, I agree. That's a delightful movie. And, and the most Christmassy stuff about it comes kind of at the very end. Um, and that's, it's sort of woven through, but that's sort of a nice, almost non-Christmas movie to, to slide in here. Um, I'll say more later, perhaps, about uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol, but suffice it to say, you are spot on. Uh, for my movies, I'll just uh, real quickly throw out um, Elf, uh, a more recent one I know, but um, I, that has earned, I think, a place in our yearly viewings. I, I think it's just a lot of fun, and, um, you know, so much has already been said about Will Ferrell's uh, just delightfully joyful, childlike performance of of Buddy the Elf. I don't need to add anything more than that. The other one I'll go with is uh, A Christmas Story. You talk about classic moments. Uh, you, you've got the Red Rider BB gun bit I referenced earlier. You've got the pink bunny suit. You've got You'll Shoot Your Eye Out, Kid. You've got just so many. Every scene in that movie is a classic. If you haven't watched it for a while, go back. And just as every scene starts, you're going to go, oh, right, this is great. Oh, then, then this is what happens. They're all back to back. There is no fat on that movie. Um, endlessly quotable. And uh, yeah, that one's, that one's in my repertoire every year. Fragile. Must be Italian. He's such a tremendous dunce in that movie. When he's swearing and fighting with the furnace. Uh, yeah, Gabe, you're definitely right that you're not doing yourself any favors with your selections. All I will say with the Christmas story, I'm definitely in, I'm definitely approve of that selection. That's a movie that, at least to my recollection, Dan and Josh, we did not watch much at all growing up. That was not one that was common in our repertoire. In fact, the one thing that I remember about it the most was that it might have been along with the, uh, the videotape version of the Sesame Street Christmas special. I remember seeing like an advertisement for when the main character was like going down the slide. Like I have that very vivid memory of that scene in this movie. Um, not actually in the movie, but just the advertisement from it. Um, but that's a movie that I've, I've come to a little bit more recently and do enjoy. Um, that said, um, Elf is a movie that, and this might not be a particularly popular take. I don't like Elf. I've never been able to enjoy it. I don't find it amusing. I don't particularly like Will Ferrell. It's a movie that I, I, I try it and I, I, I just don't enjoy it. So sorry, Gabe. I don't think you're going to be getting any points out of this. You're, you're telling me, you mean to tell me that I'm not going to be winning a major award? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Well, I, I don't know how major these awards are, but it, even, even the minor ones that I might be handing out, I, I, I don't think you're getting anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go use some bad words. Uh, get the soap ready for me when I come back. Ebo, you stuck up for me in White Christmas. I'm sticking up for you and Elf. This, I think this movie is endlessly enjoyable. Will Ferrell, uh, he, I mean... He's a bundle he, of Christmas energy. He can be a bit of an acquired taste in some other movies, but I think he is purely delightful in this film. I mean, the, the costume design is reminiscent of, of the elves and the North Pole from, you know, the Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the, the Rankin-Bass, you know, edition from, from the, the 60s or the late 50s, the 60s or the 60s, whenever that was. Um, you know, I think the costume design is great. The movie looks great. 
you know, Will Ferrell's performance is honest and genuine. Like he's not annoying the way he is in other movies. He may come across as annoying because he's naive. He's just not in the know. He's trying to find his way. I think he's endlessly delightful in this movie. And Elf is one that's a definite must see for me. Jordan, I, I'll just take this opportunity to say that I am sorry that my Christmas opinions have upset you, and I love you, I love you, I love you! If nothing else, Gabe's two movies are, are getting the best rating on, on cable, like as a double feature. Oh my like, gosh, without question. Rotten Tomatoes, Gabe is killing it, and Josh and I are bringing up the rear. All right, so, so Jordan, you, you don't like Elf, and you acknowledge that Christmas Story was not one that we watched. So wh- wh- what are yours? Throw yours out there, big boy. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how they compare. Um, I, I guess before I, before I get to mine, just to you know, bring up a couple other ones that I like that other people referenced. Uh, Dan, you're so right with Muppet Christmas Carol. That's usually the one that I say for either Christmas Eve or a few days before Christmas. Um, and as you had mentioned, surprisingly faithful to the text. Um, and you know, Josh, absolutely George C. Scott, Christmas Carol. I mean, just the one that we remember the most from growing up and the music which you pointed out i mean that that opening song is just one that you hear it and then it, it stays with me for for days um just a, a, a wonderful wonderful little ditty there in terms of the 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 movies that i'm going to go with you know actually in terms of of my christmas carol selection dan i'm gonna go with one that i thought you were gonna go with and that's gonna be the patrick stewart version from 1999 which i believe was a tv special and i believe was put up by tnt i remember watching this with dad it would have been on a school night because i remember like i wasn't supposed to be up that late and i fell asleep on the couch or something and and, and woke up late and it, and, it, and, and it had already started replaying because they were playing it back to back. You know, just in terms of a version that's extremely faithful to the text, really, really enjoyed in terms of that regard. Um, and, you know, you have the dorky connection with Patrick Stewart. Um, and of course, you know, he is so well versed in performing all of those roles because of his one act play that he has been putting on or had, I, I don't, I'm not sure if he's still putting it on um, or had been putting it on for so long. Just an excellent version of A Christmas Carol there. And for my second selection, I, I'm torn. There are two directions that I'm thinking about going in. One that's a bit more of a comedic take on uh, on the on the Christmas holiday, um, and one that's just more of a nostalgic classic. And and because we're talking about classics here, I'm going to go with that one. Um, and I'm going to go with the TV special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, Josh. You talked about Christmas Eve on Sesame Street earlier being, uh, you know, just a wonderfully heartfelt story. Um, and if that word doesn't also encapsulate a Charlie Brown Christmas, I, I don't know what does. Um, you have so many great aspects to that uh, little TV special. Um, I mean, you have, you know, the comedy that's throughout, whether it be with Snoopy, you know, skating on the on the ice rink and wrapping everybody up in the scarf and then flinging them into the snow. Um, or uh, one of my personal favorites, when when Charlie Brown screams into the mailbox, "Hello in there!" You know, just so many great little moments. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have the payoff at the end with the Christmas tree. Um, how you know, and the build up to that, right? You have Charlie Brown is is given this role. He 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 feels like he's 
you know, part of the collective and, and, and they give him and, you know, he has one job to do to go and get the Christmas tree and he, and he picks, it would, it wouldn't necessarily uh, match up with what I had said earlier with the fake tree versus real tree argument, but he picks the real tree, brings it back and, you know, gets just made fun of and gets ridiculed relentlessly for that. But it turns out that that was the right selection. You just have this wonderful, you know, sort of heartfelt arc that goes on throughout that. Um, and just, you know, just a, a really a, a beautiful story um, all the way throughout. So for my second selection, it's got to be a Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm relieved that we we didn't get through this whole thing without somebody saying it. Jay, that is an absolute classic. I, I went with the Sesame Street one because I was sure somebody else would come uh, with Charlie Brown. Uh, the, the, the other terrific thing about that one, Jay, is the, a tremendous, unbelievable soundtrack. Vince Guaraldi trio. I mean, you just put on that, that, that album and that's, that's Christmas just injected straight into my veins. And for sure. Um, going off Josh there simply because yeah, the music is, uh, this is not the last, I, I think we may hear of this movie tonight, but it, um, it's, the, it's the music hundred percent. It, that, that is the soundtrack to Christmas, at least in, um, most of the houses I grew up in. And that is, uh, it's not Christmas without it. Uh, yeah, that's, and Jordan, now I'm agreeing wholeheartedly with you. So I mean, you, as mean as I've been, you get it back. You get it all back now. It's Christmas. I'm trying to do the right thing. Excellent choice. Now, now before doling out some points, as we did with the one-point question, I'm sure that other people have um, – some some additional classics that they want to make sure are mentioned so we'll give everybody uh 20 seconds for you and your brave crew to list any additional holiday classics that you feel like just have to be mentioned before we move on to the three-point question um so we start off with josh and we'll go back to josh josh what are some other you have 20 seconds what are some other classics that you feel just have to be mentioned I'll just mention one in the same vein of a special that is great because of the soundtrack, The Snowman from 1982. That's a d delightful little cartoon, but also uh, just a, a tremendous soundtrack. And, and the song, The Snowman, is, is the highlight. And a tre like tremendously sad, but, but, but also just a trem tremendous film. It, that's a, a gorgeous pick. And that's all I was going to throw in here. I, I wondered who would put that into the notes. And uh, yeah, I can't believe I had not thought of that. That was also on repeat in our house as a kid. And, and yeah, tremendous music and just a, a fantastic little short film, effectively. It's it's beautiful. And yeah, that song, Walking in the Air, I think it is. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I can, thanks I can hear for that bailing me out there, Gabe. Walking no, in the air. Good. I, I can hear that to this day. Yeah, fantastic. You guys bring the tear jerkers. Uh, I'm going to bring the profanity. If you haven't seen the movie The Ref with Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey, that's a fun holiday flick, kind of off the beaten path. But if you like a little, uh, if you like some swear words with your Christmas movies, then The Ref is the movie for you. I mentioned that Tim Allen is synonymous with Christmas. That's because of the Santa Claus if you haven't seen that movie, the original, I do not endorse the sequels necessarily, but the original is a very delightful film, and I have to mention it because somehow you dopes haven't yet. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is coming to town. These movies have to be stated. Silver and Gold, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, There's Always Tomorrow. I mean, Fred Astaire, you know, as the mailman and Santa Claus is coming to town. Those are must-sees as well. I suppose um, 
maybe shame on us, but uh, are we not going to say a word about It's a Wonderful Life here tonight? Well done, Gabe. Our, our podcast will survive another two weeks thanks to your diligence in referencing that movie because, yes, that one, and, and also now that you mentioned, I mean, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I know that was not a classic necessarily for us, but, like, come on, that movie's on. That's a fun movie. You enjoy watching that movie. We're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny. Okay. Yeah, no, that's definitely, as you said, Dan, it's not a, it wasn't a classic for us growing up, but it's definitely for me become a classic over the course of the last decade or so. That is, that, that's right up there with, uh, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol in terms of the, the movies or flicks that I say for the end. And along with that to the other, the other flick or flicks that I thought about mentioning a, mo- a moment ago, uh, that would be the, the Home Alones, specifically Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. For my money, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York is the better of the two. I think you just got the better gaffes in that one. I think it's just, you know, there's so much about both of those movies that are hilarious. Um, Home Alone 3 is trash. Don't waste your time with it. Um, and I did not know this until I was doing the research for this podcast. There's actually a Home Alone 4 and a Home Alone 5. Whoever has watched any of those, please do not contact us. I mean, we like all listeners, but if you watch those, please don't. No, no, no. Please do contact us because I'm curious <laughs> what one passed on and chose to watch that instead. I'm, I'm dying to know. That does sound kind of like scraping the bottom of the barrel on your Netflix queue right there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on a lot of streaming services out there. That's a special kind of desperate maybe to be going through the Home Alone 4 and 5, you said? I mean, I should talk. I've seen the entirety of all four seasons of Star Trek Enterprise multiple times, so I, mean, I really have no leg to stand on. We should all talk. I mean, we've all, we've all been there. Um, it's been a long... Don't get me started, Jay. <laughs> Getting from there to here. And with that, before we uh, go into too much copyright infringement, we're going to be wrapping up the two-point question. I've got some more points to dole out. Um, it's not surprising that these aren't going to be going to Gabe. I mean, I, he lost me once he mentioned Elf. Um, though, you know, Gabe, I will give you credit. You, you put up a good defense. And, and, Dan, you came to Gabe's defense with that, too. I always appreciate the sort of, you know, cousin cousinry love that you're providing in that regard. But ultimately, it's just a film that I don't like. And because I'm the moderator, you're not going to be getting the points um you know dan also with muppet christmas carol great selection there definitely one that i would be thinking about for that um white christmas is a movie that i've tried to watch a couple of times and just haven't really gotten into though so ultimately i'm not sure that i'm going to be doling out the points for to dan there and with that idea in mind i mean this might be another kind of default uh, victory here and it's looking like it might be a little bit of a little bit of a landslide for one of the dork fest competitors i'm gonna give these two points to josh primarily because the two movies that he suggested are two movies that i have watched and will continue to watch with the george c scott version of a christmas carol and christmas eve on sesame street so josh i mean we, we could wrap it up right here i feel like we should finish out the show but how you feeling Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Prospero Año y Felicidad. Sir, if you please, sir, the other dorks were wondering if you could 
Well, if we could have a few more points. It's Christmas, sir. Please, sir. I want some cheese. I'm not leaving a crumb even small enough for a mouse. Well, two of the dorks might be thinking this is neither convenient nor fair, but we are going to be moving on to the three-point question. So this is it, dorks. Don't get scared. It's time to select the three flicks that you will be taking with you to Dorkfest Island. Dan, we're going to be going to you first. Three Christmas flicks. You can only take three. Which ones are you bringing with you? This is not an easy exercise. Our warm-up questions have been layups, and this three-pointer is equivalent to about a half-court heave as time expires. I am going to end up with White Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol, which were the two that I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to add a Charlie Brown Christmas. And the last of which, all I have to say is, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That scene, man, that just gets you right there. I think with this trio, I've got a nice mix of heartfelt holiday sentiments coupled with holiday frivolities. And that's really what the holiday season should be all about. It should be about acknowledging the things and the people that are important to you, along with having fun. And I feel like here in 2020, man, we need as much fun as we can possibly get our hands on. So I want some Michael Caine trolling around with Muppets, and I want some Bing Crosby and Danny Kay doing it up big time, and I want some Charlie Brown yelling into an empty mailbox, but I also need to be reminded about the things that are important, and I think all three of these movies do a good job of referencing the importance of interpersonal relationships, just like we have here on Dorkfest, the podcast. So to Dorkfest Island, I go for the holiday season with White Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol, and a Charlie Brown Christmas. Dan, that's a fantastic lineup. Um, and you know what? I'll, I'll jump in next because uh, we're going to differ only in one movie here. I, too, am going to take a Muppet Christmas Carol. That uh, Michael Caine plays that role as seriously as if he was playing it in a movie that didn't feature Muppets. Um, but he does. And he also takes that into account. The music's great. Who doesn't love the Muppets? Um, it's, it's going on. It's coming with me to Dorkfest Island. I will follow that up, too, with the Charlie Brown Christmas. Again, can't not have the music. Um, you can watch it, you know, time and time again. It's pretty short. Um, animation still stands out after 50 years, whatever it's been. I think 65 that came out. You know, great. It's, it's timeless. It's timeless. And, um, you know, even uh, no matter the denominational nature of your holiday, Linus's little speech there on the spotlight is still just a really nice stopping point to consider, you know, as we're talking about the true meaning of Christmas. But Dan nails it on the head that togetherness is... Um, is really what it's all about. And so that brings me to my final one, which we have not yet brought up here on Dorkfest, the podcast. I'm going with the original Boris Karloff, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, that is uh, the, all the music from Christmas of my childhood that is not covered by the Charlie Brown Christmas can be found in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It, it's, a, again, a simple moment, but as Dan says, nothing breaks my heart more than when the Grinch's own heart breaks his measuring box there at the end of the of the Seuss cartoon. It's, um, it's great. You know, that little turn of heart and all the hijinks up to that point are are still all a part of understanding Christmas. It's 
it stood the test of time, same as anything else. And those are my three movies coming to Dorkfest Island. I'll go ahead and jump in there now um, before before throwing it over to to Josh to to round us out. Um, and, and you know, Gabe, I, I haven't been in the habit of complimenting you really at all during the course of this podcast, but I do have to give you some kudos um, for, for what you said about with, with how the Grinch stole Christmas A telling that is very true to the text, which is always something that's very important for this English major. Um, but also, you know, just, you know, great music all the way throughout. Um, and also, you know, you know, thinking, you know, we've talked a lot about A Christmas Carol. You have a lot of ties between A Christmas Carol and that story too. So, so you know, again, haven't, haven't loved a lot of things you said so far tonight, Gabe, but but really loving what you just said there about Grinch. Um, in terms of the three flicks that I will be taking with me to Dorkfest Island, um, I mentioned one of them. I'm going to bring Home Alone 2. Um, specifically, got to have that. Got to have at least one of the Home Alones. And as I mentioned, Home Alone 2 is the best one for me. Um, another one that I would like to bring is one that um, Dan mentioned earlier. I'm going to take Prep and Landing, but specifically the Naughty and Nice version of Prep and Landing, which is the second one that came out, um, specifically because of the uh, coal elf, uh, the coal elf line. Dan, I'm going to throw it over to you for this. Dingle bam. Um, I mean, really, just to hear that line over and over and over again. Um, and the last one, you know, we actually start every holiday. Recently, we started every holiday by watching this one, and it started off as like we were watching it. It was the holiday movie that we would watch whenever we would get sick because for, for some reason, every holiday, either my wife or I would, would get sick with the flu or cold or something. We'd always put this on and it just brought us a lot of comfort throughout the year. And that's the Polar Express that came out just a couple of years or I guess, no, it was, it was almost a decade, over a decade again. You know, Tom Hanks in several different roles there is just phenomenal. Uh, but that's a movie that I think I've really come to just need every year over the course of the last couple of years. So, so you know, my, my list, I'm a little bit surprised by it, uh, to be honest. So those are the three that I'm bringing with me. But, but those are the three that I'm going to be bringing with me to Dorkfest Island. Uh, Josh, go ahead and take us home. Which are, what are the three that you're taking with you to Dorkfest Island? So I've got a theme for my three. As Dan pointed out, the Christmas is all about family and togetherness. So I am taking... One movie for me, one movie for my kids, and one movie for my wife. Um, mine is going to be George C. Scott's Christmas Carol from 1984. Already explained why I love it. It's the best. Um, George C. Scott, I mean, that just, you know, by the by, is an unbelievable actor. Love watching him. Um, my kid's favorite, uh, or at least my kid's favorite that my wife and I can tolerate is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, you know, it, it's a classic. We already talked about it. And, you know, um, I, I've referenced that um, John Rice Davies might be a, a soulmate of mine, you know, in a, in a, in a past life, Burl Ives as Sam the Snowman kind of fits into that mold too. And the one that I'm going to take for my wife is a movie we have not talked about yet and that's because it's a movie that I genuinely don't like. It's Santa Claus the movie. This is a ridiculous film. Another Santa Claus origin story uh, with Dudley Moore as a, as, a, as a rising star of an elf who then falls out of favor with Santa Claus and gets hooked up with this maniacal toy manufacturer played by John Lithgow. It is an absolutely absurd story. I can't stand it. 
but my wife likes it, so I'm bringing it to Dorkfest Island. It's the thing of Dorkfest, the podcast victories right there. Just the sort of heartfelt, really, really thoughtful analysis that's provided there from Josh. It's unbelievable that he is going to win this Dorkfest in a landslide sweep. A sweep. A a shutout. Sticking up for Santa Claus the movie. But I'm not sticking up for it. I'm sticking up for someone I love who likes it. This is why he's a better man than the rest of us. And let's... Because that movie is not I just can't believe you're all falling for this. Now, let's remember that Dan... You're not the one that is the moderator, right? Now, I didn't finish. I was, I was still talking, and Dan jumped in there. Okay, now, no, now Josh, I, I'm going to tell you right now. Josh, you earn the three points because it's a very heartfelt analysis. So in terms of the one, two, and three-point question, you did sweep it. You got all six points. However, up until – I mean, up until you so got what, to what? Santa Claus. You, you win, Jay? You, you're no, the winner? No, 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 no. Will you let me finish? Will you let me finish? Up until you got to Santa Claus in the movie, I wasn't going to do this, right? I had I had this trivia question in my back pocket. I was going to bring it out. But up until you got to Santa Claus in the movie, I was like, all right, I'm not, not going to bring it up. It, 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 it's not the right time nor the right place. But then you brought up Santa Claus the movie, a movie that you yourself said is not any good because it's not any good and we watched it plenty growing up and at one point i think i probably thought it was okay but then as you get older you're like this is absolutely ridiculous so because of that i'm gonna open this up for dan and josh and gabe you josh you're still available to get this trivia question and this question is worth seven points darn right it is so it is for in the, in the proud tradition of Dorkfest, we just make things up as we go along. There we go. You, you, there two, we go. Can, you two can fight over it. I'm boycotting. <laughs> this, this, is, this is outrageous. All right. So, I mean, all right. Well, it's not so, fair. So, this, this is, is outrageous. To, to win Dorkfest all the points, but not be the winner. It's never happened before in the history of the Jedi uh, Dorkfest. You're not all powerful, Josh. So, um, I mean, uh, Josh, uh, I'll still leave it open to you if you like it. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, keep up your little Anakin-like hissy fit over there, you can feel free to do that too. So, for seven points, we've talked a lot about a Christmas Carol, and next time on Dorkfest podcast, we'll be talking even more about a Christmas Carol. But there's one specific. Uh, TV special that I watched recently, um, one that no doubt I know Dan and Josh are very familiar with, and that's Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol. Now, I was not, I did not remember this until rewatching it recently, but Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol also stars an actor that Dan and Josh know from Columbo. Who is the actor from Columbo who was in Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol? I have no earthly clue. The only thing I remember about Magoo Christmas Carol is that they introduced the ghosts in the wrong order because present comes first and then past and then future. And there's some razzleberry dressing or something at some point. There is razzleberry dressing. Dan gets the point right there for razzleberry dressing. Holy Pedro, that's fantastic. Magoo, you've done it again. I, I have no idea. 
Oh, so maybe I do win because I stumped you. I stumped Josh. So I, Josh, just for the record, Josh won the Dork Fest yes, he moment did. he said, I'm choosing one for myself and one for my wife and one for my kids. Absolutely. Gabe yeah. and I literally looked at one another and we're like, well, we're screwed. So uh, just, to, just to round out the trivia before we move on to the outro. Um, the Can we Columbo- get a hint? Can we get a hint? The character is Cratchit, and the season, I am going to confirm just to make sure that I'm getting it right. I'm pretty sure it's five. All right, so season five of Columbo was not an ideal season. Matter of Honor, Identity Crisis, Last Salute to the Commodore, Forgotten Lady. um, Is Troubled Waters five? No, that's four. Now you see him. It's... um, Jack Cassidy? It's Jack Cassidy. Plays Bob Cratchit. Oh, my word. It's Jack Cassidy? I never knew that. Yikes. Wow, that's legit. He's in three Columbos. He's not just season Mm -hmm. five. Wow. It's a shame all this is going to end up on the cutting room floor because that's a legit piece of trivia. I never knew. Gabe has utterly no clue what we're talking about right now. One day, Gabe. One day. Are there any, like, Christmas Columbo episodes I can... I can do during the during the season. Sadly, no. That is a yeah, legit that, dropped ball by Columbo. Yeah, I was That's trying true, to think about yeah. that. I don't think it ever comes up. Well, God bless every one of you dorks for another excellent performance. I'm sure it wasn't easy to whittle your holiday favorites down to three Desert Island selections, but we pressed on. And as Dan said earlier, in doing so, I think we came up with the hap, hap, happiest Christmas podcast since Bing Crosby, Tap Dance with Danny Kay. To our listeners out there in the bleak mid of December, we hope you found the jolliest bunch of dorks this side of the nuthouse and that this special holiday edition of our show brought you some warmth and cheer. We hope, too, that you will tune in next time in which we will endeavor to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put our listeners out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with us. And with that, we'll see you next time on Dorkfest, the podcast. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. And the Grinch thought of something he hadn't thought before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps means a little bit more.